Father, how good it is and how grateful we are for you thinking about giving us something that we could do, something that we can, we can participate in, not to earn your forgiveness, not to earn righteousness, but to be reminded of how you bought it for us and how you bought us at great cost. God, thank you for being such a God whose love could not be contained, but instead it, it, it furiously pursued us people who were not pursuing you, people who were lost, people who were dead, as the Bible says, in our trespasses and sins. But God, who was rich in mercy. So God, thanks for this opportunity to worship in such a way. Father, I pray as we continue our worship this morning that you will continue to uh, teach us, guide us. I'm mindful this morning as we are gathered here in this building that the church family, a faith family, does not have one since it burned down yesterday. So God, I pray for them today. Pray for their pastors, Paul and Samantha, and pray for their, their members and those uh, who have been impacted by that. Would you bring them peace and comfort, God, and then provide for them uh, whatever those next steps are. And God, I'm also mindful of our brothers and sisters at First Baptist El Reno as they're celebrating this morning your great provision for them as they are moving into their new building and having their first service there. So God, thank you for the way that you work there. We can celebrate that. And I pray, God, that you continue to bless the ministry that you're doing in El Reno through all the different churches that you're working through. Father, would you let your spirit guide us now as we open up the scripture? Would you give us insight, give us wisdom, and teach us so that we would be changed, not the same as when we came in? I pray in Christ's name, amen. Well, um, another reason I'm glad you're here this morning, and there's many, is that we're starting a new series today. And particularly if you're visiting, this is going to be a great series uh, for you to get an idea of who Heaston Church is. Uh, what we're going to be doing for the next several weeks is uh, looking at who we are as a church. So we'll do that for the next four weeks. And we're going to talk about what makes us tick. What's our core values? What, what is it about Houston Church and, and the leadership here? What is it that we believe is most important we're going to stand on? We're going to come back around to that. And then we're going to talk about, uh, you may have seen this statement uh, put on the different places across the church, loving, living, and leading others to Jesus Christ. We call that a mission statement, but a mission statement's no good unless you're actually doing it. And so we're going to talk about that one week and talk about why we do what we do. And then we're going to end this series by talking about where do we think God is leading us? What has God been doing? And he's been at work quite a bit. Where do we think he's leading and what does that potentially look like? Where are we heading? And so this is going to be a great opportunity if you're visiting or, or maybe you don't have a church home or maybe you know someone who's looking for a church home and, and they just, they'd like to know what that church is about. These next several weeks are going to be a real good opportunity to evaluate and hear who we are, what we do, and where we're going. And uh, so this morning, we're going to start off with uh, kicking off our core values. And, and some of this is going to be unfamiliar to some of you. Some of you are going to be uh, very aware of this, this language I'm using, core values, mission statement. It sounds very business-like because a lot of businesses do it, absolutely. It's, it's an organizational thing. Whether you actually voice it or not, the reality is everybody operates based on core values, a mission statement, and they're going somewhere. Whether you articulate that or not, there are core beliefs, your core values, that, de that determine who you are. 
determine how you will act, how you will respond under pressure given a certain situation when you make decisions. Everyone does it, whether you identify it or not. We call those core values. Everyone has a purpose that they're working towards, whether you know what that purpose is or not. Everyone is moving towards a purpose, and there's reasons they do what they do and don't do what they don't do. That's your mission statement. Everyone does it. And everyone is headed somewhere. The question is, do they know where? But be, based on where you're headed and whether you know where you're headed, or in our case, where we think God is leading us, that starts to help you make decisions and directions. So many of you, for instance, who just started college or, or maybe you sent kids off to college, the questions were asked, where am I going? What do I want to do four or five years from now? And based on that, I'm making decisions. I'm trusting God to guide me through that. It's a vision statement. And so I don't want you to be scared off by the language as we talk about it. Uh, really what I want you to hear, and what I, what I really would love is that you're asking the question, what is God doing here? What is God doing in me? And is this a place that I can get on board with what God is doing and where, where, the, where he's, he's leading? And so this morning we're kicking off with core values. Core values is that, that the core beliefs, those things that you believe to the very core of your being that determine who you are, your character, how you will act under pressure when no one's looking, the things you will choose to do, and the things you won't do. Core values. Now, when it comes to a core value, uh, it's very easy to say, hey, these are our core values. It's a whole other thing to actually live in light of them. Our goal here at Houston Church is that our core values that we state actually line up with the way we operate and live. And I would even submit to you, if you've never uh, evaluated your own life to ask, what are your core values? What's important to my family? Uh, some of these that we're going to go over are very good for you to consider as well. And so the first one we're looking at this morning is uh, biblically grounded. The first core value we're going to talk about this morning is biblically grounded. Easton Church is biblically grounded. You would expect that, wouldn't you? You would hope that. Now, every church is going to tell you they're biblically grounded or they're biblically based or they're, 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 they trust the Bible, they believe the Bible. Every church is going to believe that, is going to say that. And that's great. So what does it actually mean? Because not every church is actually biblical or biblically based just because they say that. Because you all know, just like I know, that really you can support anything you want from the Bible, right? I mean, you want to live a certain way, you can find something in the Bible, pull it out of context, twist it a little bit, apply a little bit of sprinkling of false interpretation, and man, you've got support, biblically-based support for what you're doing. People do it all the time. Some of you have fallen prey to some of that. And so what does it really mean to be biblically grounded? And so here at Houston Church, what it means is that we believe the Bible is the Word of God. We believe that the Bible is God's Word to us for us to read, to know, to live, so that we know about Him, who He is, how He's revealed Himself, to know about us, who we are in light of who God is and how we should respond to this God who has pursued us with such great love. We believe the Bible is God's word. We believe it, it's important enough for us to be teaching from it every Sunday. You sit in Sunday school classes or other classes, you're going to be getting lessons that are based from either principles of it or directly studying books from it because we put a high value on the Bible. So there's three things. When I say biblically grounded, there's at least three things this morning that I want to I use to clarify. What do we mean when we say Houston Church is biblically grounded? 
And the first thing is, when, when we say we are biblically grounded, it means we believe the Bible is the Word of God. And so what I want to do is I've got three different verses this morning that we'll look at. You're welcome to turn to them in your Bible. Uh, I've got them on the screen. If you're looking at the Bibles on the chairs, then I will try to tell you what pages I'm going to so you can get there quicker because I know there's nothing more frustrating than preacher bouncing around verses and then you're just trying to find it. By the time you find it, he's on to the next one. So I'll try to keep you, keep you up to date, but have no fear. It's on the, on the screens as well. So biblically grounded. Biblically grounded means we believe the Bible is the Word of God. And for this, I want to go to 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. And if you are using the, uh, the Bible from the pew, you're going to be going to page 1344. Page 1344. So Paul, an old pastor is writing to Timothy, a young pastor. Timothy's pastoring a church in a, in, a, in a city, in a town that is surrounded by paganism and false idols. And, and there's false teachings of all kinds, and people are basing their truth and their understanding on all kinds of different things, not the Bible. And all kinds of different gods, not the true God. And so Paul is writing Timothy these last words that he's, he's, he's trying to impart to Timothy. And he says this in 2 Timothy three sixteen. Every scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteous, righteousness, that the person dedicated to God may be capable and equipped for every good work. So Paul says all scripture, all scripture, all those writings that you've been studying your whole life, Timothy, or all those writings that you and I study together, the, the scriptures of the Old Testament, and even the scriptures that now Paul has, himself has been writing, and maybe some of the gospels that, that were, had been around by that point, he's saying, Timothy, all scripture, all scripture is useful. All scripture is useful because its source is God. And it says it's God-breathed. It's from God and, and, and what Paul is saying here is that these scriptures, these, the, the words, the Bible, came directly from God. What that means is this. We say that today, and what I'm not saying is that, that what you hold in your hand is directly from God. These are copies. These are translations. When, when we say that we believe the, word, uh, the Bible is the word of God, we're talking about the original writings. Those were actually breathed out by God. They were actually given directly to the people writing those books, if it was Matthew writing the gospel, it was Matthew. If it was John writing his gospel, then God get it to John. And what we've got going on is God guiding these writers by the power of the Spirit, guiding them to write exactly what he wants them to write and to record. And doing so in such a way that they don't lose their personality. They're not just going into some kind of uh, ecstatic, you know, uh, uh, unconscious, uh, oh, I can't think, trance. There we go, trance. Uh, instead, what he's doing is he's working through them, guiding them so that they can write with their own personality, keeping in mind the people they're writing to so that they can clarify what they need to clarify, and keeping in mind the reason they're writing so that they can include the certain and specific things they need to include. And God used that process, guiding those men to write so that what ended up being recorded was exactly what God wanted recorded without error. And it's important that I clarify to you that we say that. The reason I have to say in the original writings is because we don't have those, but those are the ones that when we say the Bible is without errors that we refer to. That's very important. And so those are the ones that were without error. We have translations since then. We've got very accurate translations that capture what was in the originals, but we don't have the originals. And so what Paul's telling to Timothy is all Scripture it's inspired. The content of the Bible. It's not the book. 
itself. It doesn't matter if yours is leather bound or hardback cover. It has no, no, makes no difference. It's the content that God revealed. It's the truth that God revealed. Those are the word of God. That is directly from God. And since God is the source, it carries with it the authority of God. And so, as we look at 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul says, hey, the scripture is from God. It's sourced in God. It's, it carries the authority of God. And therefore, it's useful. And he says it's useful for four things. For teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Teaching. That's helping us to understand what's right. What it, what's right about God? What's right about us? It's, it's informing us, instructing us about what God has taught about him and about us. It teaches us what is right. Reproof. That's correction. That's when we get off track. He, Paul says the scripture is useful for getting someone who's off track with regard to what they believe about God and what they believe about the truth about God and getting them back on track. It, it, it reveals sin. It reveals things that are wrong. And so if teaching is what is right, reproof is what is not right. It's useful for showing us what's right, teaching. It's useful for showing us what's not right, reproof. It's useful for correction. So we've gotten off track. We've, we've bought into some false beliefs. We've, we've believed some things that are not true about God. The, the, the scripture is useful for correcting us, for getting us back on track. How to get right. So the Bible is, is useful for telling us what's right, what's not right, how to get right. And then he goes on and he says, and also for training in righteousness. How to stay right. How to stay right. How do you, how do you continue to grow in your understanding of God and how to live in light of him and what he's done? How do we treat others? How do we treat God? It's useful, Timothy, he says, for helping you to stay right. And so he's encouraging Timothy to not abandon the scriptures in the midst of his pastoral ministry. There, there's all kinds of things that Timothy could do, but Timothy, the scripture is the one thing that we have that is sourced in God, so therefore it carries the authority of God, and it's useful to tell us what's right, what's not right, how to get right, and how to stay right. And then he says in verse 17, the result of doing that, the result of, of, of using the scripture in this way as God intended it to be used is that the person who's dedicated to God is capable and equipped for everything God puts before him, every good work. We believe the Bible is the word of God. We believe it is sourced in God. It's, it's revealed directly from him. This is not a book that was simply written by men who had some kind of conspiracy theory that they were going to pass on through the ages and that we're all just being duped by some, some branch of the church? We don't believe that. And now, has that happened? Yes, that's happened at places. But when we say we believe the Bible is the word of God, we believe it carries the very authority of God, and so therefore we treat it as such, which is why we, we spend so much time studying it, teaching from it, learning from it, uh, basing our life on principles found in it, Biblically grounded to us means the Bible is the word of God. It's not just one book among many that we can learn from. It is the primary book that we start with. And everything else is filtered through what's revealed here. There's no other additions to this, no other extra testaments, no other extra books. The Old and the New Testament. The Bible is the word of God. 
So for us, biblically grounded means we start there. We believe it is the Word of God. But biblically grounded for us also means that as we study and as we read the Scriptures, we believe the focus of the Scripture, the focus of the Bible, is the Word made flesh. The focus of the Bible is Jesus. And so uh, what, for this, we're going to go to Luke chapter 24. So Luke chapter 24, and we're going to look at verse 27. Luke chapter 24, verse 27. If you're in the Pew Bible, that's 1196. 1196. So I say, when we say biblically grounded, we mean that the Bible, the very focus of it, is the Word made flesh. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then as you continue to read, you realize that what John is talking about, the person who he is talking about, the Word, is actually Jesus. Because in chapter 1, verse 14 of John, he says, And the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. The Bible is the Word of God, and the center focus of the Bible is Jesus. And so Jesus explains this. We get this from Jesus himself. When he says he's walking on this road, he's already died, he's been resurrected. And so uh, these two guys are walking and Jesus comes alongside them. They don't know who he is. He hasn't revealed himself to them yet. And they're talking about the events. They're talking about Jesus' death a couple days earlier. They're talking about the news they just got that morning that uh, his body wasn't there. And they're sad. And they're disappointed because Apparently, Jesus was not who he said he was. And so in Luke chapter 24, verse 27, we read this. Jesus asked them, why are you walking? Why are you sad? And and they explained it to him. And here's his response in Luke chapter 24, verse 27. Then beginning with Moses, that's a way to refer to the Old Testament, particularly the first five books of the Old Testament. So beginning with Moses and then all the prophets, that's the rest of the Old Testament. He interpreted to them the things written about himself in all the scripture. So Jesus walking along these guys, he, they've disappointed, they're saddened, and he says, let me tell you, starting with the scriptures you know, the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, all of these books that you've grown up knowing, all these prophets that you know so well, let me go back through those with you and show you how in all of those books, they actually point to me, to Jesus. How in all of the Bible was leading to Jesus. So that Jesus is the very center of the Bible. And so when we say we're biblically grounded, we mean that the center focus of the Bible is the Word made flesh, Jesus. And so what that does for us is that as we study, as we teach, as you study, as you teach, what we're trying to say to you is that you have not come to a right understanding of whatever passage you're studying until you have realized and understand how that points to Christ, how that fits in that picture. See, it's not enough to just understand what the author was saying to the people of that day. That's good. That's necessary. But when we say we're biblically grounded, that means Jesus is the very center focus of the Bible. It means that we've got to go further and ask the question now as people who are, who are living after the death and resurrection of Jesus, now how did that point to him? So that when I read Proverbs, I'm asking the question, how does that point to Christ? When I read, when I read Genesis and creation, the creation icon, I, I'm asking, how does that point to Christ? When I read about the flood in Noah, I'm asking, what was God doing that ultimately was leading people 
to Christ. And you know, we get that not only from Jesus doing that, but Paul later does that. You know, the Paul that we all know, in the book of Galatians, he says, hey, the law, the Old Testament law, those books which you've been studying all your life, they're actually given to us as a teacher, as a tutor, to point us to our need for Christ. The law had a purpose beyond just governing a nation. It actually had a purpose of pointing out people's sin and need for righteousness given to them by God as opposed to being earned, and that should point them to the Savior. And so as, as we preach from the, from the pulpit, as we teach in the classes, one of the things that we try to do, because we're trying to be biblically grounded, what that means for us is that we're going to try to be focusing in on how does that point to Christ? Because there's lots of people who mean well and study the Bible and, and get some, some right interpretations on things, but if it doesn't lead to Christ, they, they've really missed it. Because Jesus is the very center of God's plan of redemption for all things, for people, for the creation. It all points to Christ, is summed up in Christ, and will be fulfilled in Christ. Some of that was fulfilled when he first came. Some of that's going to be fulfilled when he comes back. And so one of the things we try to do is, is show that, try to show you that. In fact, we've got this great new class that just started on Wednesday nights for you guys adults called the Gospel Project. And that's, that's one of the very focuses of that class is to help show as you go through the different books of the Bible how that points to Christ, how that points to the Gospel. Because we believe that the Bible is the very center focus of the Bible is Christ. So we believe biblically grounded means the Bible is the word of God. So we believe that the Bible has this, God is its source and God is its authority. We believe the Bible is uh, center, centrally focused on Christ. And thirdly, uh, being biblically grounded for us means the truth contained in the Bible still applies today. The truth contained in the Bible still applies today. And so for that, I'm going to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. If you're in the Pew Bible there, it's page 1350. 1350. I say biblically ground, it means that we believe the truth of the Bible is still applicable today. You know, there are a lot of people who think that uh, this is outdated. What we read in, the, in this book is outdated. It was written at least 2,000 years ago. Some of it was written three and 4,000 years ago. So why would we be basing our lives on something written so many years ago? Why would we be basing our lives on something that may, might just be just a history book? Who else does that? It seems foolish, right? We do that because we don't see this as simply a history book. Does it contain history? Absolutely. We don't see this as just something that we can go to to stand on some kind of scientific theory. Does it help us with that? Absolutely. But unfortunately, so many people look at it as only a history book or only a, a, only a book they can use to either debunk science or prove science, but it's really neither of those. It's neither of those. God didn't just give us a history book so that we know history. And he didn't reveal certain things so we know what stance to stand on when it comes to scientific theories. Because you remember the second point? The central focus of the Bible is Christ. It's not, it's not scientific theory. It's not history so much as how does that all tie into Christ? And where the Bible speaks about history, it's accurate. And where the Bible reveals things about science, it's accurate. But I'm here to tell you the Bible doesn't address every one of those issues. The Bible was never meant for us to simply go to and use to, to stand on certain points, to take stances on certain issues. It can help with that. But what happens is too many people lose focus, and that's all it becomes. How do I stand on my issue on the right side, and where can the Bible support that? 
And, and, and if you don't keep Christ as a center focus, and that's all you're focusing on, then you're missing it. Those things are good. The Bible helps us with that. But we believe the Bible, because it is sourced in God, because it, it still carries the authority of God, it still applies to us today. It still has the authority and the power to instruct us on how we live. So Hebrews 4.12 says this, The word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing even to the point of dividing from soul, from spirit, and joints from marrow. It is able to judge the desires and the thoughts of the heart. The truth contained in the Bible today is living. It still applies today. It's not outdated. You do have to do some work to understand some background, why they say what they say and what it meant to them, and then draw some principles out today. Sure, absolutely. But the truth contained in the Bible has the authority to speak into our lives today so that we should consider it and then base our lives on it. What that may look like is, as parents, maybe you're, you're struggling with how to raise kids. Bingo. Okay? So I go to the book of Proverbs. I'm looking for wisdom because I'm at my wits end, right? So I go and I read Proverbs and I start to see, man, if you want wisdom, you've got to pursue it. You've got to search for it. You've got to ask for it. Right? And, then, and then you've got things in the book of Proverbs that, that you read and you go, oh, okay. Mm, spare the rod, spoil the child. Okay, I got that one right, okay? I mean, there's things that you've got to deal with interpretation, right? And, and, but I go to the scripture because I believe in it. I'll find answers. Now, can I go and read someone else's opinion uh, that maybe is considered an expert in child? Yeah, absolutely. But what am I going to do? I'm going to run it through the grid of the scriptures because the truth contained in the Bible has the authority to speak into my life today so that where it reveals to me, as Hebrews 4 says, it, 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 it has the ability to discern our thoughts and our motives, to judge us. I'm going to let it do that. I'm going to look at it like a mirror so that when I go to it, I'm going to, I'm going to let God use his word to show me my life, my heart, my thinking, and then correct me, rebuke me, and then train me so that I can be right because it has that authority to do so. Biblically grounded for us means we believe the Bible is the word of God and so we treat it as such. We come to it with, uh, with the, the understanding that it has God's authority because it comes straight from God and so it's worthy of our study, worthy of our teaching. We believe that uh, biblically grounded means the very center focus of the Bible is Christ himself, the word made flesh. And we believe the very truth contained in the Bible still applies today. And so that's why we study it and teach it. And so as you're evaluating uh, who Houston Church is or as we are asking that question, what's important to us? What are some of the things that are most important to us? Biblically grounded. Because it's only the church and it's really only the person who's grounded in the Bible who will learn how to thrive in their relationship with the Lord rather than just survive. If you don't let the Bible, the truth of the Bible, show you who you are and show you how you should live in light of who God is, you're going to learn how to do a whole lot of religious exercising. And you might get in some good religious shape, but you're not going to thrive in your relationship with the Lord. You'll just be the walking dead. You're learning how to survive. But we want to thrive in our relationship with the Lord, and we want to thrive as a church, not just survive. And so it starts with being biblically grounded.
So, Father, I pray that you will teach us what it looks like to stand on the Scriptures, to stand on the Word of God. Let it uh, reveal to us the areas where we are needing to be corrected, needing to be trained. Thanks for taking the time to do it and send it to us. We pray in Christ's name.